0: I, 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 I have been playing video games. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name is John. And together we're Henry and John back again to talk about popular culture and whatnot. Popular culture, history, the history of a popular culture, the weather sometimes, if we feel like it. Yeah. For those of you who are unfamiliar with this podcast and somehow have stumbled upon this episode of all episodes first. We tackle the zeitgeist every week and talk about different topics that they're in. It's hard to tackle a zeitgeist. Now, Henry. Yes, John? I do want to take issue with the fact that you seem to think that our listeners would most likely not listen to this episode first. Well, I just think if you're going to start on episode 70 of a 70-episode podcast... Then that seems like a weird place to start. Why wouldn't you not start at episode one, John? Hold hold on, Henry. Do you mean to tell me that you've never started a podcast on episode 70 before? I have always, or I have always done my best to start a podcast at episode one. Okay, so clearly we're not visiting the same subreddits, because if you go to reddit.com slash podcasts, then you would know... That much like the well-publicized four-episode rule, stating, of course, that you should give a show four episodes before you start it, there's the 70 or dump rule, where you listen to the 70th episode of a podcast, and if it doesn't grab you, you never listen to it again. Wow, well, I guess we're finally qualifying for that, so we kind of need to go all out on this episode to make sure people uh, listen to us again. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting because it has to be the 70th numbered episode because additional episodes don't count. Well, we all know episodes without numbers don't actually happen. And uh, the reason we're, uh, the reason that I don't anticipate we'll be talking about that podcast that was requested of us in the Adventure Zone, uh, at least in this episode, is because I gave it the old episode 70 test, and let me tell you, episode 70 does not exist. Yeah, I thought there was only 68 episodes of that podcast that I haven't begun to listen to yet. Yeah, 68 episodes in total. Couldn't find a 70, so maybe I'll just have to start back over at one. Give it the old five-episode test. I thought it was four-episode test. Not for podcasts. You just said four episodes. Yeah, of a TV show, like Game of Thrones, or How to Catch a Cannibal. Wait, so why on the podcast subreddit are they talking about TV rules? No, this is just the uh, the 70-year dump rules similar to the four-episode rule. I guess oh. it would make sense if I said it was similar to the well-known five-episode rule for podcasts, but I didn't want to confuse you. Well, you it's mission accomplished. Anyway. Yes, Henry? John? Oh. What are we doing? Uh, what I'm doing is I'm asking you a question. What's that question, John? What's the most recent thing that you tried to watch and gave up on? The most recent thing I tried to watch and gave up on was probably Santa Clara Diet. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one to skip. Uh, We watched two... I think we got past two episodes and then decided the humor wasn't quite funny enough and the scenario wasn't quite intriguing enough to keep watching so we kind of just said yeah we're done yeah I think that uh, something that I struggle with is there's so much content out there and you want to at least I try really hard to ingest nothing but good content or content that exists within the zeitgeist or within the collective consciousness of everyone sitting around a dinner table So it's hard for me to just start things and not finish them because I feel a dogged determination to see things through. Yeah, I get that. I mean, uh, I started Iron Fist with the intention of dropping it if it was really as bad as people said, and I ended up watching the whole thing over the period of about four months just because I needed to know how it ended. Was it as bad as people said? It was not as good as people would want it to be. Oh, a good a good old, not as bad as you fear, but not as good as you'd hope. Yeah, I mean, it has glaring, glaring problems, mostly in the, the fighting choreography, which is like, I don't know, it seems like the whole point of a martial art-based hero. Yeah, you know, the one Marvel TV show that should be the most about fighting. And it was more about weird fish-out-of-water angst. And weird, oh man, I'm a billionaire, but I've got all these problems, angst, that it was just kind of like, nobody likes you, main character. Poor Danny Rand. No, not poor Danny Rand. There are people on that show that actually suffer from something, and they should get our sympathy, and give me a second while I try to think of one. Alright, nobody has any real problems in that show, because everyone's a billionaire. Oh, but what about the guy with the glowing hand? He's a billionaire. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's Danny Billionaire Rand. I, um, the most recent show that I gave up on is kind of an interesting one, and it may, in fact, make you upset. Oh, no. You gave up on Game of Thrones. No, I'm still watching Game of Thrones, gonna keep that thing going, because it's so far up that zeitgeist that I have to watch it. And the new episodes are coming out in, like, two years, so I have plenty of time. Yeah, I mean, right now, Game of Thrones is basically the core of the zeitgeist. Yeah, I think that it's something that we're going to be talking about for years, even after it's over. It's it's like The Sopranos or Breaking Bad. It's something that you have to experience. It's more of a cultural moment than it is a show at this point. And uh, speaking of Breaking Bad, the show I gave up on was Better Call Saul. No, what season? Season one. No, keep watching. No, no, no. The thing is... No, keep this, watching. Is a, this is a very strange give up, a very strange surrender for me, because I in no way stopped watching this show because it is bad, because I blew through the first season, and I really enjoyed it, and the first season was super enjoyable and fun and refreshing, but for some reason, when I saw the credits roll on the last episode of season one, I have felt zero desire, none whatsoever, to go back to it. Well, it doesn't have as, as big of a hook as Breaking Bad did, because it's definitely a much slower-paced show. We're, we're, I, I get the uh, the feeling we're going to cover a wider uh, range of time, so things the, the pacing feels a lot more plodding than Breaking Bad, which of course had a time limit on it due to the circumstances of the show. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I kind of get why you don't have like that impetus to sort of pick up season two, but all I can say is if you liked the characters and the interaction, it, it, it's it's a really well done drama, and yeah, so I, you I, need to watch it. I I know it's good because like I said, I, I really enjoyed it, and I feel like academically there's no reason for me to not be watching it right now. And maybe it's just because TV has so indoctrinated me to this belief that things have to have these big, meaty soap opera hooks to keep me watching. But I felt satisfied at the end of the first season. I'm like, yeah, that's good. If I start this new one, I risk not being satisfied anymore. That's a risk you need to take, John. It's a risk you need to take in life. Yeah, you can't be comfortable with... Oh, that's probably a good point right there. you got to keep going until the world disappoints you. I mean, maybe that's words to live by. If you experience something that gives you meaningful satisfaction, hold on to it. Ring it for everything it's worth. Yeah, you you just got to keep milking that enjoyment cow. That sounds weird. Until you get to, like, season 25 of The Simpsons, and then you realize, well, maybe the cow has run dry. I mean, uh, post-season 10, The Simpsons really went downhill. Yeah, but there's, like, been 15 more seasons, so what do you do with that? Uh, Don't watch them. Did you know Family Guy's still being made? Great. Yeah, I mean, like. People stopped watching that years ago. What are they even doing anymore? It seems like people stopped watching it, but I think just normal people have completely different consumption habits than weirdos like us. It could be that, there, you know, of course, there are different demographics that one person can't fit every demographic, that that's literally impossible. And so it could be that our demographic, or whatever category we fit in, just sort of moved away from shows like The Simpsons and... And uh, what was the other family guy and uh, gravitated more towards these limited run series like Breaking Bad and eventually Better Call Saul since it hasn't ended yet. But these more complete stories where it's kind of like it gives you a taste. It gives you the full taste. You know everything. It's a complete flavor. And then it's gone. Yeah, it's a meal as opposed to an addiction. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about like a well done, not a well done, but a well cooked steak and not a nicotine patch. I don't identify with the consumption of steak. You have to put that in terms that I can understand. A well cooked piece of bread mm. with with I guess do you like avocados? Oh yeah. A well piece of avocado toast. I'm I'm so okay with that. This is like some Himalayan pink salt. Some like white pepper avocado toast, maybe like a little little shaving of, of of truffle on it, yep, and not a meatless nicotine patch, yes, you know, nicotine patches, not vegan, uh, well, yeah, they're made with meat, yeah, they're made with the meat of Nick, <laughs> Nick oteen, rest in peace, Nick, uh speaking of weird foods, oh. I don't know if it's okay to transition. Is it okay to transition? Yeah, we're done. All right. Yeah, speaking of weird foods, John, I had a weird encounter at a Dairy Queen last night. So my girlfriend got the the craving, as they call it, for uh, that, that Dairy Queen gravy. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Hold on. What's up, John? What? So Dairy Queen has this white hold, gravy. Hold on. What's up? You can't just say a person had what they call the craving for this dairy queen gravy cuz this sounds like the setup to like an 80s horror movie um it's it this gets kind of lovecrafty and i hope that's okay uh, i'm so down so down <laughs> so my girlfriend had the craving for the 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 this white gravy that comes in the chicken baskets at Dairy Queen, at least the ones here in Texas, because I don't know if you know this, John, but the Dairy Queens in Texas are different from Dairy Queens everywhere else. Guess it's true what they say. Everything's different in Texas. They say that. And so uh, I-, I offered to drive, and we were going through the drive-thru, which I never do because I hate talking to disembodied voices, but I thought, hey, why not? It's nine o'clock. Weird that you that you don't enjoy talking to people you can't see. Is it weird because we're doing it right now? Exactly. Uh, and uh, you know, get through the the part where you're talking to a sign. Mm-hmm. We got we got part that got past that part, and we're we're going to the part where you talk to a, a little man in the window, and uh, the little man in the window. He took, my girlfriend paid because it's 2017 and we have a progressive relationship. Mm-hmm. So she paid for our meal and she handed over her card and she has written on the back of her card an inscription that says, please see ID. Uh, apparently this is a thing people used to do back mm-hmm. when credit cards were new or something. I don't know. So the guy reads the back of the card and he's like, oh, well, I, I need to see the ID. And uh, I was like, well, it's hers. And I, I pointed at my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh yeah. And she gets out her, her ID and he ha- she hands it over and he says, oh, thanks, Mrs. and says her first name, but he signs it in American Sign Language. Uh, what? He signed it. And then like, I, I only picked up on it because I dabble a little bit in American Sign Language and he did the sign for thank you and then miss and then the letter J. Mm-hmm. whoops I, I, because my girlfriend's name starts J. you've met her she's it's jamie anyway no i know i know i'll edit it out of the podcast <laughs> no don't they've met her before the, uh, the podcast has met her i don't know why i keep obscuring her first name okay fine anyway um so that was weird it was really weird that he, he signed i'm like does he think i'm deaf does he think she's deaf this is a really weird occurrence and then of course he comes back and says we're gonna make this fresh for you so if you don't mind, please pull around to the front of the building and we'll bring it out when it's done. Oh no, you're gonna get murdered. And I, I was thinking, I was like, all right, is he gonna kill us? <laughs> and so I pull around and he walks up to us with a big old bag and two blizzards we didn't order. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, so like strawberry cheesecake blizzard. And we're, and he does the thing where of course he, Tilted upside down Mm -hmm. Yeah, as you do if you're at a good Dairy Queen Yeah, because blizzards are made with some weird Anti-gravity magic or some shit Mm -hmm. And uh, we interrupt him We're like, no, we didn't order blizzards And he's like, oh, that's right You're the chicken people Oh no And then he disappears Presumably to deliver that food to someone else Mm -hmm. I'm like, Jamie, we're going to die He thinks we're deaf like, he's calling <laughs> is... you the chicken people. Yeah. Now, is this he is... continuing to sign throughout? No, it was only that initial sign, which is also weird. Because, like, if you sign once, why would you keep doing it? I don't know. hmm So, he comes back, and Jamie is on the phone with her her bank, I think, to check her balance or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, I think he saw her on the phone and, like, canceled whatever he was going to do. Because he just walks up and he's like, "Here you go," and drops off the chicken, and we're like, "Ah," because he thought we might be on the phone with somebody. He didn't plan. He didn't go through his plan on killing us and like sacrificing us to his dark sign language god. Of course. So yeah, it was just a really weird occurrence at a Dairy Queen, and that was it. That's tremendously strange. It was a really weird thing. And at first we were th- he we thought we were getting free blizzards because it was like I don't know International Deaf Awareness Day or something. I'm just <laughs> trying to piece together what about the interaction leading up to that moment could have made him think that he should sign. I don't know. It was really weird. Like I had talked to him because I had ordered via the. The, the you know the board but it wasn't him it wasn't his voice at the board it was a woman's voice mm-hmm. so maybe he just assumed by me pointing that i was deaf maybe oh that'd be interesting now uh your your girlfriend knows sign language uh she knows a few basics like i do like we know thank you and we know the alphabet okay maybe i'm I was thinking maybe if she, like, knew sign language, there was, like, an endorsement you could get on your ID that said that you knew sign language. I don't know. I don't think there is. I think the only endorsement you get is, like, of course, like, motorcycle license or, like, organ donor. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's one that says American Sign Language signer. Hey, uh, ASL? ASL, yeah. Like, uh, age uh, sex location? It's- oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know those words in uh sign language. Oh no. Uh but yeah, that's uh I don't the few times people have signed to me, I never know how to take it. Yeah, I uh, I usually nod and sign the one word I know, which is thank you and then walk away. I've i uh, I've got a story for you from a McDonald's. Ooh, is it as good as the Is it as creepy? Is it as captivating? It is not as creepy, and in fact, it's just kind of sad. Oh, well, we can use a little sadness every now and then. No, there was just a deaf guy in McDonald's, and I was like 15. And I was very socially awkward when I was 15. I really hated speaking to people. And this guy had his service dog, and his service dog, like he was looking for seats, and his service dog came up to sniff my McNuggets. So the, the blind guy thought that the the sniffing of the McNuggets meant the dog was saying, like, oh, here's a seat that's not taken. Oh, no. So then a blind man sat across from me <laughs> for about ten seconds at a McDonald's, neither of us speaking. Oh. What and happened? then he waited for a moment. He said, is someone there? And I said, yes. And I was just, stood up and left. <laughs> you stood up and left? Yeah, because he... Come on. Who's I, gonna move? You or the blind guy? I'm not gonna be like, yes, you have to go. <laughs> I, me, the sighted person, remains in his seat. But the thing about it was, I was so mortified by not having spoken up, I was so ashamed of myself. Uh, I had a shamrock shake and I had ten chicken McNuggets. I was probably twenty, I was pretty fat. And. Wait, you said, wait, you're probably 20? What? No, I was, uh. I was fat, so it was probably 20 chicken McNuggets. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But I was, uh. When I said yes, I was like, I have to get out of here. But I don't want him to think I'm greedy, and I take my food with me. You left your food? I left the great majority of a shamrock shake and some chicken McNuggets behind. But, John, he's blind. He, he wouldn't have known. I. Look, my brain was firing on all cylinders. I was just trying to get out of there because that was the most difficult social interaction I had had all year at 14 years old. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I wonder, I wonder what he, what he did when he figured out you had left your food there. In my mind, he'll either be, like, sad because he's like, oh, I put someone off so much that they left in such a hurry that they left the food. That's the likely answer and the sad one I don't want to think about. The one I do want to think about is that he, like, takes his arms and he, like, scoops my food towards him and I'm like, "Heh he got another one. <laughs> what if he wasn't blind? Yeah, that'd be pretty good, too. I mean, what if he, yeah, he was a con man just trying to get some extra McNuggets and half of a shamrock shake and so like you know he's got the dog and the glasses and he you know the dog sniffs the nuggets as dogs do and he's like oh yeah another mark gonna sit down because i and let this guy think that i think it's empty i wonder if a blind man can tell the difference in taste between a regular shake and a shamrock shake i'm sure they can because i think the shamrock wait Is the shamrock shake just green? It doesn't have a flavor? Yeah, from what I understand, it's just green food coloring. Wait, then why do people go nuts for it? Because people are sheep. Yeah, wake up. Sheeple, shamrock shakes are people. Why do people go nuts for the McRib when it's just like a slab of saturated fat and gross sweet barbecue sauce? Because it's a slab of saturated fat and gross sweet barbecue sauce. Oh, you're right. I forgot. You know, yeah. I learned what a you know what a cocktail meatball is. A cocktail meatball is a meatball that was made of different alcohols. Yes, no, uh, it's just a meatball that served as like an hors d'oeuvre at parties. Oh, like you 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 would find that in the crock pot. Yeah, you know what I learned a lot of uh a lot of cocktail meatball like sauces are what are, they, what are they barbecue sauce or ketchup and grape jelly wait so like all of that together so either ketchup or barbecue sauce and then grape jelly so just something that's like spicy and tangy plus like grape jelly oh well yeah you get a sweet preservative to go with it i just don't like the idea of grape jelly on meatballs or with ketchup yeah true well you've never had a grape jelly and ketchup sandwich I can say for fact that I have not. Oh, uh, you're missing out. Am I? Yeah, man. But uh no, I think that that is a uniquely terrifying Dairy Queen experience. I've not gone to a lot of Dairy Queens, just to be clear. I've eaten at a Dairy Queen maybe twice in my entire life. Yeah, before moving here, I, I, Dairy Queen was not one of my frequent stops. Just because it was a restaurant that never really made it to Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of restaurants, for some reason, don't really make it to Louisiana. I'm a um, I'm a big fast food guy, and I always thought that... Well, I guess I was a big fast food guy before my life changed. But uh, I was a pretty big fast food guy, so I just thought it was interesting to see what chains exist in what places. It is, it is kind of telling of the area. Like, Louisiana doesn't have, like, Jack in the Box, or Red Robin, or Dairy Queen... Mm-hmm. Or any restaurant that doesn't want to pay the exorbitant like bribery fees that American government uh, government officials take. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and everywhere everywhere else has a lot better fast food. So there you go. But then again, Louisiana has a lot of good non fast food. So I guess it balances out. What's the most Louisiana fast food chain? Like what's the most popular and most unique to Louisiana? Uh, well, it's probably a toss up. If you would have asked me 10 years ago, I would have said Popeyes without a doubt. Oh, Louisiana kitchen chicken. Yeah. And if you asked me today, I would say probably Raisin Cane's, but it's, you know, it's of course spreading out more and more these days. You know, I feel, I can respect Raisin Cane's because, hey, if you're going to do three things, do them right Yeah, but then they they don't really even do it right because their chicken is super dry. It's like you they, they require you to use their dumb cane sauce, which isn't that good, but everyone goes crazy for it. The chicken tenders are like the chicken tenders you would get at like an Applebee's or like a decent, like fast, casual restaurant. But if you compare it to like Popeye's, Popeye's is so much better. Yeah, I mean, Popeye's is good in Louisiana. My experience in other states is that Popeye's apparently, like, phones it in everywhere else. I don't know. The state I'm in is pretty close to Louisiana, and they do it okay. Yeah, they do it okay. They don't do it great. Yeah, I mean, other places. Though, I guess some of the most Louisiana fast food I've ever had has just been, like, po'boys and gas stations. Because those things, they come out quick. Well, yeah, I, I think you could count that as fast food. But, yeah, I mean, if we're going for just the best Louisiana fast food ever, it's probably a po' boy. Mmm, po' boys. Yeah, a lot of bread, a lot of fillings, a lot of good. That's all you need, bread and fillings and gravy. So, to connect that story of the Dairy Queen's drive through almost massacre, uh, John, that story took place in a car. Oh, what? Hold, hold on to your seatbelt. Is this about to be an incredible segue? No. Uh, you know what else is in a car, John? What's in a car? A radio. Oh? And you know what a radio plays? Uh, broadcasts. Broadcasts that often contain music, John. What? Yeah, music. What? (laughs) Uh, I want to have a little music corner, if it's okay, to talk about a song that's been playing on the radio lately. Oh, can I guess? Uh, sure. Do, do you listen to the radio much, John? Unfortunately. I got lost for the better part of an hour today and was listening to the radio the whole time. Alright, uh, what kind of stations do you listen to? Like popular music or more classical? Uh, mostly I listen to the local college station because it plays some decent, not super popular stuff. Though sometimes it just jerks itself off with jazz music. But a lot of the time, I just listen to Top 40 Garbage. All right, so you might have heard this recent song. Oh? Uh, well, why, don't, why don't you go ahead and give it a guess without any hints? Is it something by the Chainsmokers? Because every song is by the Chainsmokers right now. I have no idea if they're involved in that or not, but I don't think they are. Uh, is it that song by Imagine Dragons where it's like, Believer... No, I hate that song and uh, and the other two Imagine Dragons songs that's on the radio right now. Uh, is it that song about a trip to Puerto Rico? Say the word and we go. I don't know that song. Uh, is it Bruno Mars at all? Nope, not Bruno Mars. But you're getting closer with a question mark. Is it that Migos song? No. Hmm. You want a hint? Yes. Uh, it's by a band who hasn't released a song since 2012. Fallout, I don't know. You're really close now. Oh, Panic at the Disco. Nope, they've done more than that. Yeah, closer. Uh, uh, closer with Panic at the Disco? People group the, these three bands together for some reason, even though they, that doesn't really make sense. Uh, the Black Keys, no. That's not yeah, it. So, you got Fallout Boy, you got Panic at the Disco, and then you got one other band... Who was led by a guy who was basically really shitty to those two bands? Uh, I no idea. All right, the Killers. Oh, the Killers. Mister Right eyes. Mister <laughs> Mister Right Size. <laughs> Mister Mister Fight Wives. Mister Fight Wives. Yes, Brandon Flowers is is the guy, the singer who mm-hmm. mm-hmm. ba- back when they when the Killers debuted was like. I've got so much rage in me for, against these other bands. I just want to beat their faces in. Oh, no. Later, he revealed it was kind of a, an, an act, mm-hmm. or so he says. But yeah, the Killers just released a new song called The Man. Oh, is it good? I don't know. All right. Because if it's one of those songs that if we take it at face value, it is the worst song to ever come out oh is it like a text subtext thing maybe Uh, if you if we take the lyrics ironically if we take the the whole message of the song as a satire or poking fun of people that might actually say these words it could be really funny this sounds interesting uh so i i I, and i i can't tell one way or another just listening to the song if this is supposed to be taken seriously or tongue-in-cheek uh, so I, I looked up some reviews, John. Uh, so if you go to go to Pitchfork because they're the best, I did I did go to Pitchfork, but unfortunately uh, the quote that I wanted to quote for our podcast wasn't in that article. No, tell me. Uh, this this is coming from Spin. Mm-hmm. I don't know it, but it it has a little activity kind of uh, tucked away in it that I I, I kind of want you to do, John. All right. So, if you were to point to a guy on the street and ask for a freestyle based on the concept, I'm the man, he'd have 50 50 odds of coming up with something like, blank. The, the blank is, uh, lyrics from the song, but since you're not familiar with the song, I don't want to give you those lyrics. Okay, so I want, so you want me to say, to guess what this lyric would be within a freestyle about being a man. Well, just like, you know, what What would you put in a song where the concept is, I'm the man? I'm the man. I get a big cast iron pan. No, is that not accurate? Is that not it? <laughs> That's not it. I've got a book. It's filled with plans. All right. All right. Is that is that closer? Uh, there is something akin to that in the song. Because... No. One of the refrains is, who's the man? Who's the man? I'm the man. I'm the man. Who's the man with the plan? I'm the man. Ugh. So, so what else would you think would be in the song? Uh, do I have to rhyme with man? Um, uh, no, the chorus kind of only rhymes man with man and plan. Everything else is sort of, uh, couplets that are independent of the, of the, the sound of man. Okay. I'm the man. I've got sixteen girlfriends I'm the man and they're, they're all their names are Sarah Uh unfortunately scanning the lyrics real quick women don't come up at all in the song Oh Yeah so no girlfriends, no women okay. Uh wait, hold on. There is a line I've got news for you baby you're looking at the man. So I guess baby is a re- referring to a girl or maybe a guy. You know, it could go either way. I don't I don't think babies are just girls. No, nah, babies can be whatever. Yeah, look at Baby Driver. He was a guy. I'm okay, so I'm a man. I make home I make and bring home all of the money. I'm I'm the man and I'm I'm good at labor. <laughs> all right so you, you hit one on the head i got money in the bank okay that's that's good i, I think <laughs> now, i'm doing okay now that's part of a couplet so what it what is the what is the partnered couplet with i got money in the bank got money in the bank 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 and bank, bank. gas in the tank you got it <laughs> what i got gas in the tank i got money in the oh, bank that's a bad rhyme i got news for your baby you're looking at the man. Ugh. Yep. And actually, uh, to complete the quote from earlier, he'd have fifty-fifty odds of coming up with something like "I got gas in the tank, I got money in the bank." That's the that's the complete completion of the quote. So you got it, John. That's. uh I, I feel I feel pretty good. It took me a little while, but yeah. But you know, I, I was sort of trying to get you to do it apropos of nothing. Uh, maybe you needed a little bit more complex context to get it. Um, so are we going to do what I feel like we should do if the lyrics are so bad? Yeah. To, to save people the pain of finding music and listening to it, maybe we should just read it to them. Okay, I can do that. Uh, Let ver- me look these up. You You want to look it up too? Yeah. All right, it's The Man by The Killers. All right, I've got the lyrics. All right, how about we do this, like, alternating stanzas? So I'll read verse 1, you read the next one? Okay, so you do, like, verse 1, then I do pre-chorus, then you do chorus, then I do verse 2? Exactly. Sounds good. All right, here we go. Here's how it starts. I know the score, like the back of my hand. Them other boys, I don't give a damn. They kiss on the ring, I carry the crown. Nothing can break, nothing can break me down. Don't need no advice, I got a plan, I know the direction, the lay of the land. I know the score, like the back of my hand, them other boys, I don't give a damn. I, w- I would like to say that in the first verse, it seems like every line ends with a word that rhymes with man, and it never rhymes with man. Yeah, maybe they're trying to invoke it. Maybe. Uh, here's the pre-course. I'm the man, come round, no, no, nothing can break, no, nothing can break me down. I'm the man, come round, and no, no, nothing can break, you can't break me down. That's less interesting. Yeah, do you also want to read the chorus so you have more things? Now I'll stick with verse two. You can hit it with the chorus. Alright, chorus goes, I got gas in the tank, I got money in the bank, I got news for you, baby, you're looking at the man, I got skin in the game i got a household name i got news for you baby you're looking at the man when it comes to friday i always earn don't try to teach me i got nothing to learn because baby i'm gifted you know what i mean usda usda certified lean bad rhymes i'm the man come round no no nothing can break you can't break me down I get gas in the tank, I get money in the bank, I get news for your baby, you are looking at the man, skin game, don't feel him in the pain, I got news for your baby, I'm the man. <laughs> uh, who's the man? Who's the man? I'm the man, I'm the man, who's the man with the plan? I'm the man, who's the man, who's the man, I'm the man, I'm the man, who's the man with the plan? I'm the man. Break. I'm the man, I'm the man. <laughs> Chorus. <laughs> Uh, gas in the tank, money in the bank, I got news for you, baby, you're looking at the man, I can skin the game, to, headed to the Hall of Fame, that's a new one, switching up the chorus! Yep. Oh, then right back to, I got news for you, baby, you're looking at the man. Here comes the bridge, right hand to God, first in command, my testimony, when I take the stand. And it's just, who's the man, who's the man, I'm the man, I'm the man, it's that to the end of, of time. I, uh, there's a bit of darkness there with the my testimony when I take the stand, I think. Well, I, I think it's just, like, if you would ask me who's the man, it would be me. Oh, because I see. Because I'm the man. I'm the man. Oh, I'm the hand. I'm the hand man, And <laughs> <laughs> So, if we take these lyrics at face value, this is one of the worst songs ever written and played on the radio. I think if we... If we take this song, even with minimal irony, this song isn't very good. Well, you got—it's all about the presentation, John. A lot of the, a lot of the presentation we don't get out of just the lyrics. Hmm. For instance, this has a funky disco esque beat. Behind okay, it. a funky disco esque beat can make me forgive any poetic crime. And Brandon Flowers sings in what I would describe as a a masculine falsetto. Okay, like an aggressive falsetto. An aggressive falsetto. The only the only words that is that are said in his his original voice are the bridge, right okay. hand to God, first in command, my testimony when I take the stand. Everything else is this kind of over the top falsetto that, in all intents and purposes, you could not really describe as masculine. Okay. I mean the uh, Killers have historically been a pretty intelligent band so I don't think this song would be non-ironic. Yeah, you know, just listening to it I thought, man, what has happened to the Killers? Like they've they've lost their way. But there there are elements of of their previous work that kind of leak into this. Like there is like a choir behind Brandon Flowers' uh, uh lyrics who they're the ones singing with him like nothing can break nothing can break me down so it's like he's reinforced with this choir he's this discotesque beat you've got the line (laughs) because i'm gifted because baby i'm gifted you know what i mean and the choir joins him for this line where they go usda certified lean like something about that is hilarious I mean, uh, songwriting means so much more than lyrics. I, I agree with you on that. I'll just have to give it a listen and see how I feel about it. And, and I think uh, I, the uh, the pitch Pitchfork article was written before the video was released. And uh, the, the writer of that article was like, hopefully the preview of the video means that they're taking this as like they're in on the joke. Because it's just Brandon Flowers in a cowboy hat about to walk down the Vegas Strip. Oh, it's yes. Like, so, yeah, hopefully, he, the writer was like, hopefully, like, they're in on the joke, and then we can all appreciate this song. Otherwise, it's just garbage. It's uh, it's funny that you have to separate things like that sometimes where you're like, I can't read how much irony there is in this without some kind of, like, uh, cross-media element. So I don't know how to feel about it. Well, that's kind of the thing with satire is that if you're just reading what the, the words literally say, like if we take, for instance, one of the most famous pieces of satire, uh, what was that guy's name? You know, the um, a modest proposal? Yes. If you take that literally, he's saying, to control the I- Irish population, we should eat Irish children. Mm-hmm. And if it, when that was distributed at the time, people might have thought he was being serious because this is printed type. This is, this is mass distributed. People don't mass distribute jokes or, or satire. So maybe people took it seriously. I don't know how it was received historically. But without the, the knowledge beforehand going in that it's satire, if you just read what's there, it seems horrifying. Maybe that's a mark of good satire. That if you just satire read poorly is just uh, an entirely different work. Yeah. So I I think this, this, the man by the killers, if, if it's satire read poorly, it's a weird anthem for manhood that it just seems trashy and bad. But if you read it within the context of, well, they wrote it as a joke, making fun of people who are, who are overly proud of their masculinity and adding elements of like falsetto singing the, the weird disco kind of punk funk music with the choir behind them, then it's like, oh, well, they're poking fun of the people who proclaim these things loudly in bars or whatever. I mean, if this ends up being like an amazing satire of masculinity and honor culture, good job on the killers, A+. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, that's something that could, that, that could stand some attention being drawn to it in a way that they're not outright attacking or trying to assault these people but they're dismantling it through a clever observation and construction of like a counterpiece to it is it satire who's to say i am after i listen to it and watch the video well you can update us with your thoughts at a later time but i guess we can just rest with the conclusion that the killers have not lost their way and hopefully the rest of their songs off their upcoming album which i believe is called wonderful wonder will be more akin to what they're, they they previously have released. Yeah, I, uh, I like the Killers a lot. You know what else is on the radio? What else is on the radio, John? Uh, nah, that was a shitty segue. Let me back up. You know what else features a radio? And in fact, kind of tying a lot of things together that we had talked about so far. We talked about creepy eldritch things. We talked about radios. What else is on the radio, John? What what else? What What, what is this... I, I'm botching this question part. I've been playing a video game, Henry. You've been playing a video game that's got radios in it. It is a video game that's got radios and creepy happenings in it. Wait, is this like some type of Eldritch horror game? Uh, it's a game with Eldritch horrors in it, for sure. And it has a radio? Uh huh. Wait, is this that acclaimed game, Oh My God, There's an Eldritch Horror in My Radio? Oh no, I hadn't, uh, I pre-ordered that, but I pre-ordered it for the Xbox One and I never bought one of those. Oh, well. What game have you been playing, John? This is the lesser-known indie title by Night School Studios, who are made of ex-Telltale Games developers. That's interesting. Uh, it is called Oxen Oxenfree. That sounds like a hide and seeky game. Uh, it's kind of a hide and seeky game. It is a kind of side scrolling, light interactive adventure game about these uh, four or five teenagers, uh, 16 I believe, who go to this island for this yearly uh, party on this secluded, I think it's called Edwards Island, uh, but they're the only ones who show up, and then through a series of uh, unfortunate events. I don't know why I chose to use that term of phrase. <laughs> okay. Uh, through a series of events, you start to uncover a mystery that's encapsulated on this island and encounter some really genuinely scary things. Scary things as in, like, monstrosities beyond the human imagination? Ooh, spoilers. Or scary things as in, like, man's inhumanity to man? Oh, I daren't say... Oh, combination of both? Uh, I daren't say, but I will say that uh, you'd summon ghosts with a radio, so it's probably not the latter. Okay, so this is like a tongue-in-cheek kind of horror, or the ghosts are very serious? Uh, It is. The writing is very funny. The writing's well done and very, very well voice-acted. It's pretty believable. I, I think that a problem a lot of people have with things that try to write children or right teenagers is they're like ah oh, they'd never say this but it's like people say dumb things sometimes i think it's yeah, a, I, I think it's a pretty fantastically written game yeah i mean the best written young adults or children are just uh, adults in small bodies as in like you know adults will repeat things they don't understand all the time children will do that kind of mimicking adults it's just Write your children as tiny adults, basically. Yeah, because most of the things the characters say in this game are like, yeah, that's basically how I talk. So I have no issue with that. Yeah. And the only thing is, like, if you're talking, like, Stranger Thing kids young, then you you can dumb it down a little bit. But even they put A and B together logically in the same way probably an adult would. Yeah, just a a bunch of really good characters kind of across the board and the game manages to do something that I haven't had a video game do to me in quite some time where it even though it's a kind of highly stylized 2D adventure game, it's really good at scaring me. Oh, wow, that's that's really surprising. Yeah, something that's completely in the third person from super far away like this game is uh really engineered to be seen from a distance and these characters are very small items of interest on the screen and it's still there's really good spooky scary stuff in it so we're not talking jump scares which would probably rely on a first person perspective i'm not gonna lie there's actually a pretty effective jump scare early on in the game no interesting then you pull off a, a jump scare from third person they pull off a lot of the creepiness including the jump scares by having a phenomenal soundtrack oh that's great if there's one thing that can really lend itself to horror it's music yeah the the soundtrack is great it's very it's very synthy pretty minimal but there's this uh the reason I bring up radios is, is because one of the most one of the coolest things about it is that you have a dedicated button to bring up a radio that you can manually tune at any time. To ghosts. Uh, the There is a big component of gameplay where if you get certain visual cues, you know that if you tune into certain frequencies, you can make things happen with objects that are under this kind of influence that's uh, all over the island. Interesting. And... In addition to that, the radio just has music that happens to be on it most of the time, and the music is usually old or creepy or distorted, and there are are sometimes complete, essentially rogue stations that move around that you just tune into for a second, and it's just some really honestly creepy, disturbing noise that just goes away. Oh my gosh. That That... Sound horror is probably my least favorite form because it affects me the most. Some of it is really, like, skin crawling. Yeah, no, yeah. You could show me, like, a weird monstrosity horror thing, and I'll be like, all right, so that's obviously fake. But you could play sounds that, the, that I'll attribute to the monstrosity horror thing, and the sounds are real. I'm hearing them, so it really affects me. And the, the game does a very good job of, uh, since it is a, a side scrolling thing, your perspective is pretty constrained. So it will, it will do things in areas that you can't see. Oh, that's, that's the worst. And I mean, the, the threat isn't ever present. The threat is a, a story threat. I have not come across anything that could actually, like, kill me yet. Yeah. You know, it, it's not a fear of, it's not a fear of a lost state where you have to go back to a previous state and go from there. It's a fear of seeing bad things happen to these characters. Alright, so like an invested threat where you don't want these characters you know, to uh, to get hurt. Yeah, the the game makes these characters pretty interesting, so when there's a credible threat to their well-being, you really don't like it. Ugh, oh, that's, that's the best type of horror. Yeah, it, it's scary like a book is scary, because... The the thing about video game horror that's tough is, I feel like some of the most effective horror is the horror that it is in no way dangerous to you. Yeah, I mean, I think video games, if they just do what movies do and they show you like gross or scary things visually, then they're missing the point of the genre, which is like, It's more of the looming threat, more of the overall circumstance or situation that is sort of what makes you afraid, you know? Yeah, because if you... Let's say you're reading a book and something scary happens, and then the person you're reading from the perspective of of dies. Yeah. You then don't go, oh, gotta start this chapter over again, gotta track back and do the things I just did. No, your fear comes from the characters you're invested in having bad things happen to them yeah there's no redo in a book or in real life or in a movie if the character dies they're dead Mm -hmm. and there's just some real there's there's some stuff that plays around with time and pictures are involved and i don't want to spoil how pictures the game does some genuinely creepy stuff while at this point up until something very recent that happened, stays pretty much PG or PG thirteen. Okay, it it's not overly violent, but the subject matter it deals with is is very serious. It's very dire, and it does a good job of being creepy without being like you know eyeballs. <laughs> I'm a masked killer with a rusty knife, yet yeah, it, it does none of that. Yeah, so oxen freed oxen free and uh i would for sure recommend it if you're down for playing a game where the biggest most uh, spellbinding thing about it is honestly not being able to understand what the nature of the threat is like that is that doesn't sound like much but it's so rare to be able to digest something especially something that's horror themed and have no earthly idea what is going on yeah because in a lot of hair a lot of hair a lot of horror, the fear comes from a manifested sort of thing, like be it zombies or or a killer, something visual. So unless it's like paranormal activity, activity Ac- unless it's like paranormal activity where you can't visually see the threat, but you can see the threats of, like effects, then I lost my train of thought and all of my mispronunciations. Oh, that's fine. Okay. But no, the, uh, there, there's something to having experience where just having something something as simple as you just kick a soccer ball that's just been sitting there, like a million other little objects that you can just idly interact with, you kick it, and then a second layer gets kicked back to you. No. Oh, it's ghost, man. You're dealing with some haunted island. It's real, it's real creepy. Art style's real good. Soundtrack's real good. I have found pretty much nothing to complain about. That's great. That's the sign of a good quality game. I also totally forgot to mention the dialogue system. Very cool. How, how so? How is it different from other dialogue systems? It's the only dialogue system I've seen that actually works the way conversations work, where when options for things that your character might say occur to her, they appear as bubbles over her head that you can select and then just say them. But you don't have to say anything. Okay, so like just like in real conversation... When we're listening and trying to form our own thoughts, that's how this game presents what you could say. Or you could just remain silent and not say anything. Yeah, and you always have the option to interrupt people. It's very it's very fluid because you can, like if you see an option that you really want to say, if, if you yourself get physically too excited and you select that option, you'll just straight up interrupt one of your friends while they're talking to get your point across. That's the rudest thing I've ever heard. And sometimes if you want to listen to everything someone has to say, you lose the opportunity to say something, which is exactly how it works in real life. Yeah. I I feel like subtitles would kind of ruin that, though, because you could see what they were about to say. Yeah, I, I don't have subtitles on at all, which helps. All right. So if you're playing free, maybe try playing without the subtitles on. Yeah, I would highly recommend you buy it. It's on sale right now. I think it's like four or five dollars. Ooh, ritzy. You better go get it. Um now you said these were ex Telltale developers. Yes. Does that mean your decisions don't matter? Uh from what I understand, the game pretty much plays out in essentially the same way up until the end, then there are a bunch of different endings. Okay because a mark of a of a telltale game is that there's a ton of branching decisions that in the end don't matter for the outcome at all. I feel like for the purpose of this game it's like yeah, we're going to tell pretty much the same story for everyone. Like your your interactions with people change, uh but you're always marching towards the same goal. Yeah. And, you know, you can wrong people and they'll have, like, bad, like, negative opinions of you and they'll be upset, but everything still kind of goes the same way, just with a different flavor and with slightly different involvement. Until the end, where it all ravels apart. I'm excited to see that unraveling. I have not finished it yet. Yep. I will change my opinion if I get to the end and it's bad. It turns out it was just a surprise birthday party the whole time. Oh, God, no. No yeah (laughs) or yeah you know you know how horror games end they all end the same you take the bad guy's mask off and it turns out it was old man mcgucket the whole time it's gonna be really hard to take the mask off of extra-dimensional triangles well you know what they say just because it doesn't have a face doesn't mean it's not wearing a mask you're right that's what they taught me in christian school Yep, we're all wearing a mask at some point of our lives. Uh huh, that's what they taught me. They taught you that at Christian's. You were homeschooled. Yeah, Christian school. Was your mom's name Christian? Uh, Sister Christian. Wait, is that a song? Uh, Well, speaking of horror games, John. Oh boy. We're just, we're just stringing along here. All of our content is accidentally related. Segway City. Yeah, I played a little survival horror game on the PlayStation Four. Oh crap! Was it Resident Evil? No, there there was evil, but it was not residential. Oh, so it was not in residence. No, it, it took a took place in a a string of cities along the continental U.S. Oh hey, are you? What's that? is it? Wait, can I guess what it is? Uh, you can guess what it is, but only if you do so poorly. Oh, is it What Remains of Edith Finch? I don't know. It's not that. What is, what is that? Oh, that's a horror game. Anyway, what's the thing you were thinking? Uh, it, it is the Game of the Year 2013 Remastered, and whatever year it was remastered, picked up from an electronic store for 10 bucks because it was on sale. Also known as The Last of Us. Oh, The Last of Us? That's not a horror game. That's a game about clickers. Uh, the game box said it was survival horror. Okay, fine. Although I'll agree with you, it wasn't really scary. I am a big fan of The Last of Us. I enjoyed it very much. I actually beat it over the weekend, and, uh... It was a very interesting ride because it did not go the way I thought it would, John. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to talk about the ending, even though it's four years out, but that game is, it it defies a lot of your narrative expectations in really good ways. Yeah, for for a lot of it, like, I was calling it left and right. I'm like, okay, this is going to happen. Okay, based on how they're acting right here, I know what happened to them in the previous scene, and I know what's going to happen in the next scene. But then the end was just like, hey, you know, fuck your predicting everything because you don't know shit, man. Yeah, I feel like even if you had predicted everything up until that point, the ending's like, "Nah." uh Yeah, the ending's like, hey, you know, th- things happen. And, you know, you didn't know it was going to happen that way and now you got to live with those consequences. Maybe my, uh, my biggest pro for La- for The Last of Us is it might be the most brutal game I've ever played. How do you mean brutal? It's the your interactions with other human survivors are just—they're just gnarly. They're just really impactful and and gross and quick. Yeah, I mean, and this is this is a game where there is a zombie presence, but the real danger really isn't the zombies because. Zombies are predictable. You you know what they're gonna do. They're like three or four types of zombie, and you know what each one does and what each one is capable of. But humans are crazy creatures that have no predictability about them. Yeah, far and away, the most dangerous enemies in that game are the humans. Yeah, at, at least in cutscenes where you know you you don't have direct control of what's happening. Because like, I actually preferred fighting humans. In-game, like in the gameplay a lot of the times, because they die faster. Uh, well, I mean, you have to admit that if we're saying human beings are the most dangerous enemy, you count your character among them, and you are the most dangerous enemy. Oh, yeah, if there's something to be afraid of, it's Joel. Because imagine if in that game there was an enemy that could clock you with a brick from 200 yards away, run up to you, stab you in the crotch, and then blow your face off with a shotgun. Yeah, <laughs> imagine if there was an enemy capable of of laying out traps, then funneling you toward the traps with molotovs, all the while picking off your friends with guns and bows and arrows. Yeah, that would be terrifying. Yeah, Joel Joel's a force to be reckoned with. But yeah, uh, I, I'm a, I really like The Last of Us. I, I think this was the first time that I've ever experienced that I wanted to... Just get to the next piece of story more so than I wanted to play the game. Yeah, the, the story is really enjoyable. It's a beautiful game, especially on PS4. Yeah. It's just like each narrative part carries you to like the next sort of bit of action, but it's really just like the characters interacting and their, their destiny, their fate. What's going to happen to them in a world where anything can happen? There's no, there's no plot armor in the cutscenes. I mean, in gameplay, you can take several gunshots to the face and then patch it up and be fine. But in cutscenes, anything can happen. Mm -hmm. That stuff kind of just drove me through the game. And, you know, there's a... I want to say, and this isn't really a spoiler, but there needs to be, like, a greatest of all time award for intro cinematics to a video game. Yeah? Oh, yeah, like that that part that you have to play through before the game really starts. Like the the tutorial-slash-opening cinematic, that whole medley leading up to the Joel scream at the end is one of the best things I've ever experienced. That was chilling, and just like, there was nothing you could really do, and it it sets the tone for the rest of the game, where it's like, if you're in a cutscene, no one is safe. And the, I mean, the the game doesn't do a lot of that from then on. But seeing like the the devastation of a world where something like that is happening, where everything is just popping off at once, is just it's it's mind blowing. Yeah, and you got we really need to hand it to like the uh the graphic engineers at Naughty Dog who have nailed somehow the complex human emotions being rendered through an engine like. These are the most human faces I've ever seen while avoiding the Uncanny Valley kind of aspect. Uh, I was actually listening to a an interview with one of the people who did a bunch of the art and uh, graphical systems and stuff on The Last of Us, and he said that the thing that they landed on is to make characters empathetic and believable, is to take actual, like, captured uh facial data from actors, but then exaggerate it and turn it into kind of a cartoon. Yeah, probably like the old, uh, the old, uh, stage acting kind of technique of just being exuberant or, or exaggerating certain characteristics so that people in the back seats could see them. That could probably work for like something that's pretending to be human. And I mean, if you just take human facial information and put it on a, A computer generated model, you get the LA Noir thing where you're just like, uh, get the computer animal away from me. Yeah. (laughs) Watching footage of LA Noir is always funny because, like, they just, they motion capped a lot of the faces in that, and you you can tell sometimes they'd use footage that they probably shouldn't have. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because it's just like, what face is that? It's like, yeah, that's not the take you would have, that's not the take you would have gone with if you were filming this. Especially like when the characters are lying and they're they're using their tell face, which is always like a, a weird, pained, exaggerated face that's kinda like yeah, I'm being stabbed in the butt. <laughs> yeah, no stab in the butt face in uh in The Last of Us, except for when you're stabbing people in the butt. Yeah. And and then you don't even see their face because you're stabbing them in the butt. You're right. Good game. Super good game. <sighs> really intense game. Uh really like one of the things I can applaud it for is just making translating what's in the cutscene to the gameplay so very well. Like things happen to your character in cutscenes that are then translated into the next few segments of gameplay. That's just like, whoa! Normally we would be fine because they want the, the the player to feel powerful or or capable of handling the task at hand, but it's like. Am I going to make it through this? Like, is, is the game going to allow me to complete this? Or is, like, is this it? Is this the end? And you've been reading The Road, right? I have been reading The Road. So an interesting companion piece to The Road would be The Last of Us. Yeah, I have to say The Last of Us is much more colorful. Yeah, it's uh, it's very much inspired by The Road, though. I, I, I can see that a little bit, but I like tonally and atmospherically... And even like in the characters, it's just a complete opposite of The Road. Yeah, I think the I think the comparisons to The Road kind of begin and end at it is a gritty post-apocalypse with a patriarchal figure. Yeah, because like The Road is all barely surviving. It, it's always snowing. It's always gray. The the little boy does not have the wit or sardonic humor even if it's even if ellie is just using it as a defense mechanism like the little boy is for all intents and purposes a dumb child Mm -hmm. i I think that's a good way to put it i guess but ellie is just so full of life so full of character and, and charm that you actually end up liking her even though at the beginning i was like this little brat is gonna ruin everything but in the end you're like this little brat has stolen my heart. Yeah, Ellie's a, a genuinely super super fun character. Uh you've played the DLC? I have not played the DLC yet because I at tor- like I I played through I want to say like a third of the game in one day. So I was getting I was getting kind of burnt out on the gameplay aspect part. Understandable, but the game of the year version's going to have that in it. Yeah, I have it. You should play it and tell me how it is. Oh, you don't have it? Never played it. Yeah. I think it's called, like, The Ones Left Behind or something like that. Yeah, they all get raptured and they go to heaven. Yeah, and Nicolas Cage is in it for some reason. He's like, I'm Nicolas Cage. And it's just like, dude, what are you doing here? But anyway, you know, uh, yeah, it was an interesting experience and I'm excited to see what happens in The Last of Us Part 2. Man, we should have had this segment in october because this is some spooky halloween town well this is just a taste of spookiness maybe maybe as we get closer to october more and more spooky things will keep happening to us for some reason oh henry I, i like that you're uh i like that you're actually giving them a teaser right now for of course as everyone's aware this year kicks off the first annual zero credits month of scares that's right uh, a, a, a content campaign, if you will, that will certainly set your stocks your socks on end. That's right. All four or five episodes of the podcast that are going to be released in October will have sp- spookiness, and they'll be released as part of a series. You're right, and it's going to be an overarching series that basically just is just connected through the uh, the themes of being spooky and scary yeah and uh, i don't i feel like month of scares maybe we could workshop that a bit but maybe it's your zcms zcmo i don't know it's fine we'll think about it the zero zero credits zero credits zero credits it's for scare time now Oh, you, so can we call every episode It's For Scare Time now? I feel like that's how we we, we should introduce every episode. Yes, It's For Scare... <coughs> Sorry, I got so scared I started coughing. Oh yeah, that allergic reaction to being scared. Hey, I'm afraid of... The- <laughs> they say I ain't afraid of no ghost, but I am allergic. <laughs> I'm allergic to those ghosts. <laughs> let me sleep in your bed. So uh, I feel like with that sweet plug of the upcoming month of scares that we might need to be wrapping this podcast up before we wear out our welcome as people uh, hotly champ at the bit for this scary content. Yeah, I feel like we, we don't need to, to overstay our spooky welcome. But first, Let us reveal the theme for this episode, John. Yes, the theme for this episode, Henry. I'm glad you asked. I have it prepared. Yeah, uh, prepared. As as all themes are, prepared in advance for you, our listeners. And that theme is, of course, gnarly. Gnarly. We had a a gnarly sign language story at a Dairy Queen. It, It was gnarly because it was scary. Yeah, and we had a a gnarly discussion about whether or not the killer's song The Man was satire or not. It was so gnarly. That was gnarly because it was rock music. And then we went right into the gnarliest video game released this side of the Mississippi, (laughs) Oxenfree. It's gnarly because it's about teens. And speaking of teens, we we got The Last of Us. Featuring the gnarliest teen of them all, Ellie. And it's also gnarly because you stab people in the butt. Man, it's so super spooky gnarly. Let's high five a ghost, brah. Yeah, let's high five a ghost with these social media plugs because you know you can tweet at us at ZCPCWHJ. That stands for a Ghost are Here. Tweet us now. <laughs> and you can send us an email at Zero Credits is a podcast at gmail.com. That stands for Send us an email. Ghoster are Here. You can watch us play video games at twitch.tv slash zero credits. And just like a ghost, maybe you'll see it, maybe you won't. And you can find us on Facebook. Search Zero Credits at the top, and maybe you'll find it. Zero Credits Podcast. You know who to call. You know what it is. And as always, like, comment, and subscribe. Share it with your friends. Share it with your loved ones. We're not on Stitcher, but give us five on iTunes. Yep, and maybe look forward to the zero credits month of spooky scare scare is is time yeah we'll workshop it yeah we'll workshop the name but look forward to that coming in october oh coming to you in october it's october in just a few weeks we're gonna scare your skin off yeah we're preparing the spookiest commentary of the the zeit ghost that you've ever heard oh zeit ghost i like that let's get out of here all right, good goodbye, everybody. Boo. Ah. Oh. Vegas oh. <laughs>